Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the F.L. Smith third quarter interim report for 2019. Today, I am pleased to present the CEO, Thomas Schultz, and the group CFO, Lars Festigal. For the first part of this call, all participants will be in listen-only mode, and afterwards there will be a question-and-answer session. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. Speakers, please begin. Hello, everybody. I wish a warm welcome to all who listen in to our quarter three 2019 report. At first, to the key highlights. Positive free cash flow in the quarter, lower capital order intake, record high service order intake, revenue increased as expected, and the EBITDA margin declined to 8.0%. We had on the 11th of October guidance change from a lower end of 9 to 10, what we communicated at the end of quarter two, to around 8% for the full year. And we will come in the presentation, of course, for the root cause for that and what we are doing about. Then to the market outlook, we are still in mining and a growth cycle. We have a good momentum in the service, but on capital, it's a cautious outlook for the time being. In cement, a stable market, especially on the aftermarket too. So now in the reasons uh, what happened with the guidance change on the 11th of October. And this is um, divided in three pieces here, which goes actually over the year. The first part is the business mix. We expected a higher share of service business in the year, which didn't pay off versus the capital. And in the minerals business, actually our material handling business performed more than we believed or than we saw coming versus the mineral processing. The material handling is a little bit lower in profitability. The other part is what we actually call internal sit and wait. We have an increased since the second half of the year delay of customer decisions. What is it? It has to do that we see on one side challenges on the license to operate. We had actually several mine sites losing their license without pre-warning where we were operating and working on it. And we see that normally the activity where we get engineering orders on big uh, mine sites or mining operations and then fairly short after the capital order, that this didn't happen. There is no order cancellation. It is simply from a timing is like we call it sit and wait. That means customers will definitely do it. The demand, the need is there, but it takes more time. And that is for us a disruptive workflow where we have all the experts in and have to see when the capital order comes. The last part is that in the final stage of some of the projects, we saw that we were definitely too ambitious in the timeline and that created less profitability than anticipated. It's not about loss making, it's about a lower profitability level than anticipated. All of that, that triggered that we accelerate the business improvements initiatives, what we actually had in a vast majority already planned with the reorg last year to implement over several years. That will get shortened dramatically. If we then go to these mitigating uh, activities, on one side, if it comes to mining, we have a reassessment of the profitability of the mining projects, and we see definitely... Um, a, diff a higher level of contingencies. What we can read out of it and what you should read out of it is that the profitability on mining capital business in that what we have in the backlog 
compared to the run rate before the Q3 is roughly 30 million lower per quarter than anticipated before. On the other side, the accelerated business improvements, we will consolidate on the mining project execution in significant fewer centers to get absorption as well as the hit rate of capital orders more into these centers and with that a better follow-up on the timeline. Further, the footprint optimization like in procurement, cement and in mining and in the group functions as we had planned with the reorg will get a complete different timeline, which means faster. This EBITDA improvement program has um, a target of 100 million, where we will have a run rate of 25 million DKK at the end of 19 and 100 million at the end of 2020. The cost is in total 150 million DKK, where 75 will be this year and another 75 next year. So when we look here on the guidance, we had an initial guidance on the EBITDA 9 to 10% with a revenue 19 to 21, where we lowered the guidance um, at the quarter two into the lower end of the 9 to 10 and the higher end of the revenue guidance. When you look into the realized figures Q1 to Q3, you see that with the EBITDA margin performed up to now, the 9% is really out of range. So we guide new on the round eight for the full year and stick with the 20 to 21, which means the higher part of the revenue guidance. From that, we in the market outlook. Let me start with cement, where of course um, we have to explain more about the order intake and the level of order intake. We have an unchanged activity level in the cement industry. The big orders are lumpy, which means they are not coming regularly. They are very difficult to predict. And there is, since several years, no change in that, not a big demand for big orders out in the market. We have a big interest for sustainability-related solutions where we can offer customers where the market demand to have more support to fulfill environmental requests. So the level of small and mid-sized opportunities with upgrade retrofits is actually quite good. If we then look into mining, in mining we are still in the growth cycle. And yes, we were in the middle of 2017 more ambitious on the growth than we are today, and that is what we communicated already before, but we are still in the growth cycle. The service has a very good momentum, but we have a cautious behavior on the capital business. And one big part of that is, of course, with the sustainability and partly the uncertainty out of the macroeconomics that some of our clients, actually the majority, are more pausing on that, what they have to do. The demand, the need is there. The interest in anything what is sustainability and productivity improven is quite high. It's not only the tailings management. For both industry, the productivity focus is very high, and any offering in the productivity improvement is like to be seen. Now into the order intake. Order intake declined quite um, strong versus a very strong quarter three 2018, which was one of the highest in, for the company. Um, let me start with the, the big figure. Here on the right side, uh, the cement capital. It's 83% down down to a little bit more than 500 million. That is when you look into it, not satisfying, but fact is that we didn't have any larger order in that quarter, where we compare with a very strong large order quarter. 
but the pipeline didn't change. The activity level is the same as before. So we are not concerned about that. The only thing what we have is we see clearly the timeline not helping us in the quarter three. If we then look into the service, service again is growing here in cement two, which is actually a result the same as we see it in mining with good 19% growth in service that we have with the reorg quite a good strong structure now to cover our customers in the front line better. The capital mining business went down in line with that, what I said, with the more cautious capital approach, what we are faced with. On the right side, you see order intake for service as well as for capital. And it's easy to see that we are coming since quarter three, 2018, slightly up or quite up in the order intake for total service. When we then look into the dark blue bar, this is uh, when we have like in quarter three last year, the long stick, that means large capital orders. They were not in for the quarter. So out of that, um, that makes that bar, that makes the capital part um, smaller than before. Then we look into the revenue split. You see on uh, the left side, that mining stands for 60% of the business and cement 40%. We had only a 9.2% EBITDA for mining in the quarter versus a good 5.8, which comes up quite significantly from last year on the cement part. The cement part with the strategy profit over growth, what we partly see in the order intake, here we see it really full that we perform quite well on that. Then, if it comes to capital versus service, we had exactly the same ratio, 43% capital versus 57% service, like in quarter three, 2018. And with that, I would like to give to Lars. Yeah, and <clears throat> today I'll focus mainly on explaining the, the quarter three variances we have compared to the plans we've had. Uh, and I'll also try to give some clarity on the implications going forward from what we saw in in the third quarter. Uh, and in particular, focus on uh, how the performance is in the various parts of our business. When you look at the the key figures here on uh, on this chart, you can see that the order intake was down, as Thomas mentioned, uh, and it is the absence of uh, of large order that uh, that drives this. In particular, we have a lower backlog in cement as we didn't get uh, the larger orders. Uh, and that may lead to pressure on, on revenue as we move into next year. But again, as Thomas mentioned, there is uh, the same pipeline as we've seen before. It's a timing thing, so uh, it is still uh, early days in terms of uh, what we see into next year. We also had uh, two cancellations in the backlog uh, in, in the mining segment. Um, they have been on uh, not been moving for, for quite a long time. So... In our planning, they will have very little impact on revenue this year or next year. Uh, but um, sometimes uh, uh, one of them, a customer, was in bankruptcy, and we had expected the customer to come out of bankruptcy, or the sites to come out of bankruptcy, but that didn't happen. So, um, so that sometimes uh, happens in, in our business. If you look at revenue, we are up 9%. Gross margin, I'll touch more about that later on, is down 2.2%. Uh, our cost level, SGNA ratio, is at a healthy 14.1%. EBITDA is up 8%, uh, and profit for the group is up uh, 17%. If we then look into revenue, it is uh, progressing as per plan. Uh, we see that the revenue in mining service is up. 
We also see that mining capital is up, and when we say that we see delays, it is not really impacting revenue that much. It's mainly in the final stages where we're not generating a lot of revenue that we see the delays. So it's not uh, it's not that visible on revenue. Um, if you look into cement, we're down in cement service and uh, slightly down on on the capital part in uh, in cement revenue. If you look at the, the whole group, you can see uh, the chart on the, the right-hand side that we are up 9% compared to the same period last year. Uh, and unfortunately, order intake is lower than uh, the revenue in, in this quarter where we didn't see a lot of big orders in neither cement nor mining. If we look at gross profit, uh, as I mentioned before, we're down 2.2% compared to the comparison period at a group level. When you look to the right-hand side, you can see uh, the drop uh, in mining, where we went from 31.7% last year to 25.2%. It looks dramatic. It is a lot less dramatic than what this picture shows because the comparison period is extremely strong. Uh, and as a footnote, we've shown here what is the average uh, gross margin we have in, uh, in the mining business. So a more uh, relevant comparison figure would be 27.6%. So we are roughly 2.4% down uh, compared to uh, to the same period last year. Uh, the uh, uh, cost overruns and the uh, and the effect from from the mining business is roughly 70 million in the third quarter, uh, and that is uh, what has caused uh, the challenges we have in in this quarter. If you look into our cement business, uh, or maybe I should just touch uh, the, the service margin in uh, in mining is as per plan. So. It is really a, a capital uh, challenge we have in terms of profitability. If we look at cement, we see a good performance in terms of margin in both service and in capital. Uh, we increased the margins uh, by 1.6%, uh, and we really see the effects of the initiatives that we did last year uh, in the th- uh, towards the end of the third quarter, uh, as well as executing a stronger backlog. So good uh, progress in terms of profitability in the cement segment. If we look at our SDNA ratio, you can see we are down to 14.1%, so we are slightly down compared to last year. Uh, it's worth to mention that uh, as part of the lower uh, uh, profit expectations, we have revised some of our incentives pay, and that has had uh, a positive impact on the SDNA ratio as we've reduced some accruals in this area. So the run rate we have in Q3 is, uh, is lower than what it would be if we had not uh, changed the the expectations for the incentive space. Um, if you strip out the IFRS and, uh, and these uh, change in accruals, you will see that our underlying SGNA cost is slightly up compared to last year. This is as per plan. It's more investments in, uh, in the digital area where we uh, are continuing to see good momentum in, in moving this area of our business. Yeah, and to the uh, EBITDA bridge, um, I'll start from the beginning of the year so we get all the components uh, in. Uh, we started with an initial guidance of uh, 9 to 10%. If we take the midpoint of that, that would be 9.5%. Uh, in the middle of the year, we said we would end up in the lower end of uh, the guided range, and that was very much uh, uh, related to the mix we have between service and, and capital, where we planned with a higher service share uh, than we ended up with. So, so that drove the, the change to the lower end of the guidance. And if we then explain how we went from 9 to 
We had the cost overruns in, uh, in the third quarter, uh, and that also has an implication going forward as we, uh, we have reduced uh, the expected uh, margins on certain projects that will generate uh, uh, revenue going forward. So 70 million impact in the quarter. Uh, and as you saw, the, we did not get the, all the capital orders that we had expected, and we do see some delays in terms of uh, decision-making, and that is expected to lead to uh, underabsorption and, and related cost uh, of roughly 25 million in the second half. If we then look into uh, the fourth quarter, what is the impact of, uh, of uh, what we saw in quarter three and the change in the order intake we've had, uh, then we will see uh, 30 million lower profitability on the mining capex part, uh, and this is, uh, as also Thomas mentioned, uh, the result out of a different mix in the backlog, as well as uh, we have uh, reduced the profitability expectations on certain mining uh, projects. If we then look into the the last bar, that's uh, 75 million. That is, uh, we are going to uh, accelerate some of the initiatives to uh, increase our underlying profitability, and that will cost us 75 million this year. And that all leads to 8%, where the 30 million is a number that you have to remember for next year because we do see that the backlog is impacted, and therefore this will impact. most likely all four quarters next year, so that the run rate profitability on mining capex will be lower than the average of uh, quarter one and two, which would be the old uh, the old level. But again, the third quarter is expected to be uh, the low point in terms of uh, mining capex. If we look into uh, to working capital, uh, it goes up uh, slightly in the quarter. Uh, we have uh, a large part of our working capital in, in, in dollars, and that, of course, increases uh, the absolute reported level. Um, we also see that we did not make uh, as much progress on certain mining projects, and that uh, leads to us not being able to invoice and collect some of the trade receivables, and therefore the improvements in working capital is delayed as a consequence of this. Um, apart from that, we, see, uh, we still believe we can reduce the working capital in the remainder of the year. Uh, it will be a challenge to reach the 10% uh, as we see these delays, and uh, that has implications on, on receivables and VIP performance. Um, and if we do not see some of the bigger capital orders, that will also put pressure on, on the prepayments. So it will be slightly more difficult to reach the 10% towards the end of the year as we had. Uh, that is our ambition, uh, and we've communicated that earlier on. If we look at the discontinued activities, uh, I'll keep it short this time because there is really not a lot of news to say in it. Uh, The progress on on the various projects are as per planned. We we spent uh, 40 million in cash flow in in the quarter, uh, so no no changes to the forecast of what it will cost to, to finalize the activities we have here. So if you look into cash flow for the groups, the, the first thing I'd like to say is that we have, uh, if you look at year to date, we are at 621, where we in the same period last year were at 288. So uh, a, a good improvement com- uh, compared to last year. Uh, if you look at continuing activities, uh, we had an EBITDA of 475. Uh, we did see a higher amount of used provisions in, uh, in the period, and that led to uh, the 79 million of cash out a slight increase in, in working capital, uh, and all these leads to uh, a CFFO of 285. The fee cash flow for the group was 139, where we last year had uh, 213. 
the capital structure is in line uh, on both both numbers, uh, and uh, not a lot to say there. We saw a slight reduction in net debt as a consequence of the free cash flow. And with that, over to you, Thomas. Yeah, thanks a lot. Then um, forward-looking. If we look into that where we are, we have a strong progress in service. We see the cement capital margin improving quite a lot. We see an increased cash flow from operating activities. And we see significant more opportunities with sustainable solutions than we had a year ago. On the more negative uh, downside is we have a lower backlog in cement. Yes, it's the timing of large orders, but we have to look into detail into it, how that works out for next year. And we have a lower margin in the mining capital business um, out of the backlog and what we see. The management focus is these business improvement initiatives, which were at a vast majority already planned, as I said, during the reorganization to implement over several years step by step, um, will get, from a timing point of view, significant shortened. And that creates, of course, um, the, the savings quite quicker, as well, of course, some costs with it. We have to focus on, and we do that, on the backlog conversion with a solid execution on it and, of course, the reduction of networking capital and with that, all the cash flow improvement. Long term, I normally start with the sustainability and I start again here because that is the main thing what we get asked and discussed with the customers. There we have to offer a lot in all areas and that's based on the business model. But it clearly shows that what we had in the quarter three and with the profitability, standardization, modularization, project execution is an area with ongoing effort to improve efficiency. Out of that into the sustainability overview. As you know, we are focused on three out of the 17 um, sustainability development goals, which clean water, climate change, or climate action, as well as responsible uh, production, especially. That is where we can contribute the most, and we could contribute significant more from a technology point of view, and we see out of that area, as I said several times now, quite a big business opportunity. Our safety track record stays on 1.7 as before, roughly, well below the target what we have, and our carbon footprint, again, improved uh, from 3.2 down to 2.4, which shows that not only what we offer to the uh, customers is important from a sustainability point of view, we would like to be, as a company, role model too. And with that, into innovation. This time, it's about um, a special technology for flotation. It's the mixed row flotation, which is actually uh, two different systems combining into one with a clear benefit on energy consumption, up to 40% what we worked up to now on it, and up to 5% improved recovery rates. It's another example of a sustainable productivity improvement for our clients, this time in mining. So to uh, combine and to give a key overview about the quarter three, positive free cash flow, our revenue increased, we had a lower mining margin, than we wished for. We had a higher cement margin as expected, but still well done. We had the absence of real larger orders, especially in cement, 
and we had quite a high service order intake. With the outlook, we are stable in the activity level on cement and we are more cautious on the mining capital. And, of course, we revised the guidance on the 11th of October from lower end of 9% to 8% or around 8% for 2019 on the EBITDA line. Last but not least, we have a capital market day. It will be on the 6th of November. That means in a few days here in uh, Welby, in Denmark, in Copenhagen. And the theme is driving sustainable productivity improvement. And with that, I would like to go into the Q&A. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for the speakers, please press 01 on your telephone keypad and you will enter a queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. Our first question comes from the line of Christian Johansson of Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Thank you. So, first question uh, is, is regarding uh, this, this uh, contract uh, change where you state that, that you are awarded contracts with defined milestones with this stop-and-go mechanism to, to a high degree. Um, and, and, and at the same time, we see that you, you have to cancel two um, mining orders. So, I'm, I guess what I'm asking is that, that this delay and, and stopping up, we are seeing what is the risk of that turning into actual cancellations going forward. The, at first, the, um, if it comes to uh, that stop and go, uh, what we call sit and wait um, more, the, the demand is there, the need is there, everything is actually clarified, but then when the, when the next uh, go should come, um, we saw in the mining industry that a lot of boards put a little bit the foot on the brake, which means uh, comments we get like, please wait another quarter, a few months. And on top of it, we saw in several mines, uh, and it's actually public knowledge, uh, cancellation of the permit to operate, the license to operate. They are not withdrawn forever. They are only taken temporarily until it's clarified which kind of environmental footprint is requested and how to deliver it. So this is for the time being. That's the, the thing why we call it, as our mining customers call it, actually that is where we have it from, sit and wait uh, until it goes further. But it hits, of course, uh, our 2019. Lars, if you would like to comment. We have the, the two cancellations we have. I would not really call them so like a something that relates to this. Uh, they have uh, both of them their own story. Uh, one of them is a customer that went into bankruptcy uh, and we could not, uh, and we tried to keep the, the contract alive because uh, when somebody buys that uh, that uh, site out of uh, out of bankruptcy, then the likelihood that the project would uh, restart uh, was quite high. Uh, it didn't materialize, so that one we have to cancel. And the business case for the other project uh, simply didn't stack up for the customer anymore. So it is quite unrelated to uh, to uh, to the uh, to what you can say the stop and go uh, that we talk about and the delays on mining projects. Um, and maybe I should just mention we had of course uh, a, a slight impact when the customer went into bankruptcy, but uh, but it had, did not have any P&L impact when when they were cancelled. So uh, so it's not a negative hit in uh, in the period. And it's not a picture what we see in the industry that cancellations are now happening out of ongoing projects. Absolutely not. Okay, that's that's quite clear. Uh, Then uh, a question on on the slide you have on mitigating initiatives. So you flagged this this new run rate of 30 million 
uh, Danish kroner, um, which we should uh, incorporate. In terms of the improvement effect, what is going to be the full year effect for 2019? So the initiatives that we will be implementing quite shortly will have a, a, an effect from 1st of January of around 25 million. And then uh, what we've said is that we have 100 million that is the full year effect from, from 2020. So uh, we may get a little bit more in uh, in uh, in 2020, but I would not uh, I would use the 25 million because some of these uh, initiatives takes a little bit of time before they are fully implemented. Okay, so, so the full year effect for 2020 will not be much more than the, the 25. No. Of course, if we can accelerate, we will do that and give clarity on that. But uh, but, uh, but there are some some thing, things that takes a little bit of time to implement in in these initiatives. Okay, um, fair enough. And, and then my last question, obviously, given the weakness we see in, in your capital order intake, and and the, the comment you made, especially in the beginning of the year, with this. Uh, more unfavorable mix on, on uh, between capital and, and service. Should we expect that to reverse then going into next year with a higher proportion of, of service uh, revenue? Yes, that is of course not only uh, clear out of the figures. Uh, based on the fact there is a business sentiment behind, based on the fact that the miners are very much investing and looking into it to improve their productivity, their agility to cope with a very volatile market gives us a lot of opportunities, and that is what we see in the service. And that will go on. And when you then look into the uh, order backlog, if you look into what we had service order intake versus revenue, you see that we actually build up quite a, a service backlog, and that will get released more and more. And um, it is with mining, with the mining industry as with other industries, if there is no allowance to spend more money, uh, or the money in capital orders or capital business as the technical people in the mining industry wanted to have, then, of course, they focus more on the spend in the OPEX to make their systems, their solutions more productive. Okay. Very good. That was uh, all for me. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Magnus Kruber of UBS. Please go ahead. Hi, Thomas Lausch, uh, from UBS, a couple of, from me as well. So the first question, I mean, this uh, 30 million headwinds on, on the capital side on mining, I guess, will that effectively exit the books in, in, or, or the, the, the run rate will be normalized as of uh, Q2 next year? So no more incremental step up there, headwind for Q3, Q4, 2020. No, I mean, that's, uh, that is what we see in the backlog and the, and the, so that that will hit more or less all quarters uh, next year based on what we have in backlog right now. And then, of course, changes can come from whatever order intake we may take, but that is what we see in the backlog in the capital business. So that will be all quarters next year. Okay, great, great. And then uh, could you quantify a bit about how much is the 30 million is in basis points of the, on, on the affected project? Sorry, the line broke up. Could you repeat, please? Yeah, apologies. Uh, how much is this 30 million in, in terms of basis points for the affected part of the capital business? Um, on the margins for those projects? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I think you can take the, the 30 million and you can, uh, you can compare that with, uh, with the capital revenue we have per quarter, which is, uh, and then you can see how it impacts uh, our business. So I think that, uh, that is probably the easiest way to, uh, to make that calculation. 
Yes, and as a benchmark up to the okay, quarter two. I should apply it through. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's on the whole portfolio. So uh, it's the average on the portfolio where we have, uh, yeah, you know what we have in uh, in revenue per quarter, and then you can uh, you can basically divide these two with each other, and then you can see what the the impact is. Um, yeah, okay. It is roughly it is roughly two and a half percent on the mining capital and roughly one percent of the mining revenue. That's uh, okay. round figures. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and in terms of the twenty-five million underabsorption you saw uh, in 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 the, in the second half, do you think you will you will see a, a corresponding run rate through the first half of next year as well? Can you repeat that the line is really bad? The, um, what, what was with underabsorption? Can yeah. you please repeat? Y- yes, you have 25 million uh, underabsorption from, from this stop, stop and go effect, I think you, you mentioned. So, uh, do you expect that run rate to continue through yeah. the first half of next year? No, I'll say that, that is one where we will address that with the business improvement initiatives to ensure that that is not uh, continuing into next year. With the reduction into uh, fewer centers, we actually reflect um, the workload and the dragging out of timing on projects, which means in fewer centers we will be able to absorb and to manage the existing cost structure more efficient. We were a little bit too bullish on the outlook on capital um, uh, business in mining. Actually, as we communicated, I said that before, in the mid of 17, end of 17, we gave an outlook that we are back on growth, what we are still are, but on a lower growth rate than we communicated end of 17. And that is the negative effect out of it, what we will rectify now. Thank you. And, and the final one on a bit more positive note. Could you expand a bit on the global framework agreement you signed with, the, with Rio? Yes. Um, it is always in our interest uh, to have long-term agreements with uh, very important technology-leading companies. Why? Because it makes it easier uh, to negotiate and it makes it easier to deliver and fulfilling all the milestones. It's easier to predict and actually from forecast to cash, as we call it, that is quite a good system. The customer benefits because he doesn't need to put so much effort in it and we benefit out of it. What is very important here, it is a very unique contract. Rio Tinto is a market-leading company in the mining sector. It has, of course, an impact and sends a clear message that we are a very valid partner in uh, technical solutions, sustainable solutions for the mining industry. Thank you, Magnus. Our next question comes from the line of Close Armour of Nordea. Please go ahead. Thank you. There are also a few questions from my side. The first question is about this 70 million in cost overruns. Is this specifically due to poor execution, or have you just been too optimistic when you priced the project? And is the latter part going forward? Will you then be able to get the right pricing or should we just expect lower margins? That would be the first question. Yeah, I can make it like that. Um, there is definitely pure execution in it. I have to say it that loud and clear, and you know us, we are quite honest and direct in it. Um, but the 
bigger part is actually we were when we booked the orders, we were too ambitious on the timeline how to realize it. With that related is, of course, the cost. If you stay longer on the mine side than you intend to, to do, then you have higher cost. Yes, we can invoice these costs later on, but not this year. And we have to see how long these projects are ongoing because that is normally what we call the claim, disc claim discussion with the customer at the end of the project. And that creates these cost overruns. Um, one word with it. It is definitely not loss-making contracts, what we talk here. It's simply lower profitability. And for that, we put a higher contingency in the future into that uh, business. So just to be sure, so you're saying this 70 million cost will run should be reversed next year? Will be reversed over the time when we finalize these projects, partly. But as I said, some part is not good execution. Okay, then my, my second question goes to the provisions in, in the quarter. We have seen uh, that the level of additions and usage in Q3 is higher than we've seen in most quarters in the past. Is this also a reflection of uh, you know, issues with your delivery model uh, than you just saw uh, included in, in, in the profit warning or is more a quarterly variation? So first of all, we do see large quarterly variations in terms of, in particular, reversals and usage, where the addition line is really very much related to the activity level we have in that particular quarter. So the addition line should uh, should uh, work more stable from quarter to quarter, where when you look into, uh, as an example, the usage, the usage comes very much from, did we have any warranty claims, as an example, in that period that we had to uh, to pay out? Or did we have any tax cases or so? So, uh, so the usage can be a little bit more volatile than uh, than what you see in additions. And reversals is something that comes when the warranty period uh, stops, and therefore they they are quite unrelated to the activity level you have in a in a particular quarter. So, so, so just to be sure, so you do not see any different pattern in your provisions. It is more a Q3 specific event. I mean, I think I, I, it's always better to use a, look at a little bit longer period of time when you look at the, the provision levels. Uh, and if you look at the year to date, I think they are uh, that's more like a run rate than what you see in the third quarter. Uh, I guess it's taking up when you look at four, four quarters uh, run rate. Sorry, once again. It is ticking up when you do it on a four quarters uh, run rate. Repeat the answer, please. Sorry. Yes, yeah, I didn't understand the answer. No, it's okay. Uh, so when you look into um, um, the reversal, sorry, the contingency level, um, I would look at the, the first three quarters uh, as run rates, and then we always have a, a slightly higher activity level in the fourth quarter, which gives a higher addition level, uh, and then uh, and then you can say the reversals and the usages in the fourth quarter will be depending on what happens on on the older projects and if we have any that runs out of warranty and so on. Okay, thanks. Our next question comes from the line of Lars Topholm of Carnegie. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, hi gentlemen. A few questions on my side. First, just a household question. You mentioned a couple of times there were no large capital orders, but didn't you announce 200 million to Cetin Mining in, in August? Uh, or isn't that a capital order? Yeah, 
uh, what I said, larger capital orders, but as I got it, uh, didn't come through. I got already the sign here. And yes, it was around the 200 million order what we announced in August. That's true. There was a mining. Okay, okay. On slide 14, uh, where you have the EBITDA bridge, you, you mentioned uh, uh, an assumption of 20 billion in revenue. Sh should we see that uh, as guiding that you will come out in the lower end of the 20 to 21 billion range? And then going into next year, uh, the, the backlog to revenue conversion uh, can you comment whether the pace should go up or down or be give and take the same? And maybe if you can comment on each type of business, so both on, on capital business and on service business and then by division, just for my modeling. Yeah, so um, 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 so the, the, what was the first question again? <laughs> I didn't write it down, sorry. <laughs> there was a slide 14 you mentioned. Oh, sorry, 20 yeah, sorry, the 20 billion. Yeah, so the, the 20 was billion was illustrative because it was much easier to calculate with 20 billion than uh, than the midpoint of uh, of our guidance, which is uh, uh, 20 and a half billion. So don't take anything from that except it's much easier for to calculate with that and to illustrate these numbers, which are uh, estimates, of course. Um, and then the second question was a uh, question was around uh, how do we see the backlog conversion into next year uh, and of course we are we are not guiding in uh, into next year uh, at this point in time but i think we have given a few hints that uh, that uh, in cement um, we do see that the, the the backlog is lower due to the lack of large orders and that will put pressure at this point in time what we see on uh, on on the revenue in uh, in cement but of course, it's, uh, we have a, uh, still have the, the hot list, so, so who knows what's going to happen, whether they will bump in, and you know they're always uh, lumpy. Um, and on mining, I mean, you see that there is uh, sort of like a, a more steady level of, uh, of order intake on the capital part than, uh, than there is in, in cement. So there, uh, I think you can more model from, from order intake in, uh, in mining to see where we end up. On service, we do see that we have increased the backlog in, in both industries. Uh, so there we expect, uh, in the absence of any new developments in fourth quarter, we should see more revenue from, from the service backlog in next year. So, so, so I shouldn't be concerned, because if I look at mining, your backlog is unchanged year in year, but you're indicating sort of slower... Uh, and, and, uh, and just in general, which might lead to slower delivery. So, so shouldn't worry of a, a, a revenue decline from 19 to 20 for, for mining, but only for cement. Yeah, maybe just just one word. Remember the two cancellations. These have not moved a lot in the last couple of years, so they've been sitting there not moving in, in the backlog, and we had, of course, hoped that they would be reactivated. So so you can take that out of uh, both uh, the backlog from last year and this year, and, and maybe that gives you a little bit hint that it's not uh, it's not the entire backlog that is, uh, is dropping. It's the, it's, the drop in backlog really comes from things that were not moving in the past. So, uh, if it comes last to cement, yeah, sure, as sure, you, sure, but presumably the 500 million is both in Q3 18 and Q3 19. Exactly. So if I strip them out, the backlog is still the same. And my question is, will an unchanged backlog in mining is there any risk it leads to lower revenue in, in 20 because your customers are? 
hesitant to, 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 to execute. No, I don't think we we, we don't see that, and I'm, I think that the delays we see is is uh, is partly on uh, on the order intake front, where, as Thomas mentioned, you have this that they award us engineering orders, and then they become uh, equipment orders later on. So this stop and go thing. Um, so that's uh, that's really the effect we see there. And then on uh, on on the other delay part we had is really in the finalization. So it's not really where we generate the revenue that is. Uh, that is being delayed to a large extent. It's more the finalizing the projects where that takes a little bit longer. And that's not generating a lot of revenue. Then one final question on my side. You mentioned an increase in trade payables. To what extent is this affected by the use of reverse factoring? It's a very small impact in the third quarter. So actually the number of, the amount of of what we use in the supply chain financing program is, is very stable over the year. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Lars. Our next question comes from the line of Artem Tokarenko of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning. Thank you very much for taking my questions. Uh, my first question is around demand environment in mining. I think customer hesitation has been flagged by a number of equipment suppliers. Uh, I'm just trying to understand a bit better what you expect sequentially, how you expect demand to evolve sequentially in your capital and in uh, and in maintenance business versus your previous guidance, which you gave at Q2 for better sequentially, and specifically in uh, in uh, service business, whether there have been any large maintenance projects and that two billion order intake, and whether you expect it to to be sustained that level to be sustained into Q4. Um. You're completely right. We are not the only one flagging this cautious thing. Um, what is very important to understand is this is not a start of a new era. That is not what we hear with the, with the customers. It is um, kind of a temporarily slowdown in capital order. And we have a lot of reasons where it comes from. It's actually two main things. Um, Yes, the macro environment always has a has an impact regarding that it's uh, if it's so volatile, then it, they are more hesitant. But there is a big part of the sustainability where both sides, the permitting part as well as the mining customers, are struggling. What is actually the way forward there? And that puts things on hold when you have then orders. Let us say you have an order for a grinding station, and then the customer comes permanently with new requests on the environment because he, he struggles with what actually the permitting government office in that state requests. And that is a typical sit-and-wait situation, as we call it. Delayed, but not, uh, um, how to say, cancelled or cut or anything like that. That is all ongoing. And that puts the, uh, the pressure on us regarding absorption, of course. And then I'm done. Uh, but I have to say that if you make the engineering for such a big project, then, of course, it's perfect if that team of engineers who did the engineering is then working on the capital order. But when you have a lot of engineering orders where you know you get the capital orders, but the capital orders are not coming, um, then you have to see how to maneuver that. And there we were not the greatest in the third quarter. We can say that. And out of that, um, we had uh, this impact on the profitability. I guess my question was more around your order intake. What are your sequential expectations uh, from here in equipment and services business in mining? And whether that's a billion of 
service orders uh, include any large maintenance contracts which shouldn't repeat um, in the near term. The, um, what you can see is we had a good service order intake run actually since mid of last year. And we see that actually overall ongoing, it's always a little bit up and down, a little bit more, a little bit less. But in general, the trend is upwards. We don't have big in the quarter free, big maintenance or any big uh, aftermarket orders in which would explain the 19% growth. This is underlying. This is solid. This is not as we had it in quarter one, quarter two, uh, 2018, uh, where we had a lot of service orders in it, what we communicated already in these days. The other thing forward looking, yes, we see a higher share of aftermarket versus capital. And uh, that is what we will see onwards until this cautious period on the capital is gone. To make it a little bit, and sorry for that, more complicated, of course, we know that we will have bigger, announceable, bigger, larger orders in the pipeline. When they come in, they, of course, disturb that picture. But you have to see them on top of that what we normally generate. And we are in the expectation of that. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, my, my, sec my second question is around the bridge for 2020. Uh, could you please help us understand a bit better that capital versus service mix headwind, which you saw in H1, given that given a strong order intake for services, whether we should expect 100 million to reverse in 2020, and also. Uh, how do you see the profitability in cement uh, going forward, given that services will be a higher share, but equally you're talking about maybe some underabsorption in your capital business because of lower order backlog? Well, if I take the, the first part of, uh, of the question uh, related to the, the mix, um, when we made the original guidance, we had assumed more service revenue, and that is why we had this impact on, on mix in the first half. Uh, and then when you make the bridge from from uh, 19 into 20, um, I would uh, I would look at the order intake level we have in uh, in uh, in in 19 and use that as an indicator for the revenue we may have uh, next year. And there you can see that we have been running with higher order intake uh, throughout the year uh, than we've had revenue. So that is why we are we are seeing that uh, that revenue from uh, from the service business is likely to increase next year compared to, uh, to this year. Yes, and then to cement, uh, very valid question. Yes, of, uh, if we, what we see, of course, having a higher order intake growth on the service part than on the capital, of course, you get uh, more revenue out of the service. Um, but um, regarding the profitability, of course, we need capital orders too. That's clear. Otherwise, we run uh, on the top line too short regarding the cost, and that would trigger other initiatives. Uh, but that is not what we see in that magnitude as it is maybe thought about. Um, we are in expectation of capital orders, but we see that they are simply didn't end up in the quarter three. And uh, let's see when they come in. That will define how much revenue we will have in, two th uh, in 2020. To make it fairly clear, if we get larger orders in cement and they are at the end of quarter four or in quarter one next year, it will have a stress on the revenue line for 2020 in cement because it takes a while for the larger orders to get really into the revenue phase. So we, we look into that very, very detailed. We have a very strong program ongoing with the profit improvement and we will not change it 
to target profit improvement versus growth. That is clearly what we do. Okay, thank you very much. And, and my last question is about uh, profitability of mining capital business. Could you maybe help us understand a bit better whether it's now break-even or loss-making in 2019 after, uh, after the profit warning and uh, what has been the normalized level of margins in that business in the last three to five years? At first, and then last, can I take it with the figures, this is not loss-making. To make that loud and clear, it's not loss-making. It's less profitable as we anticipated. We were too ambitious on the timeline. We thought that we can, together with our clients, push the revenue or the orders faster through. Then we see that we can do it, and that creates us additional cost. That makes some of the projects less profitable, not loss-making, to make it clear. That's very important. Yeah. And I, 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 there's not much uh, to add. Uh, we were profitable in mining capital in first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and we'll be that, I guess, in all quarters next year too. So uh, we're not giving you the details of, uh, of what we make in, in the segments. So, uh, so we only have a, a profitability measure on, uh, on total mining, uh, but it is, it is still profitable in, uh, in mining capital and will continue to be so. Uh, okay, thank you very much. If, if I actually may, may squeeze in the last question on cement, uh, um, you obviously talk about lumpiness of large projects, but uh, if I look at the base business, extra large orders which you have been announcing, I have been. At, I think the order intake has been running at about 1.5, 1.7 billion over many quarters previously, extra large orders, and you've done 1.4 uh, in Q3. So. I guess there is also some weakness in more base business. Could you, could you maybe give some color on how base business equipment is evolving? Yes. Demand for base businesses. And uh, um, it's not a weakness. It's actually a company decision not to go for, for each order. I have to say that, uh, Chris, that we announced uh, with a very low EBITDA margin in quarter three last year, which was really a low point where we got, with all respect and absolutely right, a lot of criticism. That we have to improve, that we have to improve our profitability for cement dramatically. A 2% EBITDA margin for that business is simply too low. So what did we do? We looked into and uh, several things, how to make efficient, more efficiency and so on. But one thing was clear. We will go not f uh, for orders where we think the profitability is too low to generate a better profitability on uh, the bottom line. On top of it, we reduced dramatically our exposure in the operation and maintenance business, which has a positive bottom line effect too. But both, of course, has an effect on the order intake level. That's clear. It is not traumatic, but it's there. And um, I know it is um, difficult to communicate, but of course we should take orders where we make enough money on the bottom line to have um, a good future for the company. And that is what we did. And that explains that situation where we are. So it's managed. It's not based on the market. That's very clear. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes on the line of Klaus Kiel of New Credit Markets. Please go ahead. Yes, hello. Two questions from my side. Um, first of all, um, um, you mentioned that uh, you have seen some cancellations uh, in the backlog. Um, 
in this quarter. And as far as I remember, there were, were also a couple of uh, cancellations in, 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 uh, in Q2. But could you just um, elaborate a bit on, on, on the status on the overall backlog? Is there any more projects on hold that could be cancelled the, the coming uh, yeah, one or two quarters? Or do you now have kind of a fresh uh, backlog? And my, my second question would be that uh, in order to reach uh, the middle of your top-line guidance, uh, you need uh, revenues of, uh, of approximately $6 billion in, in, uh, in Q4, and that would be uh, the highest level for, uh, for quite a while. So, so what's the risk of you uh, missing on these uh, $6 billion? Is there any execution risk we should be aware of? Or, yeah, your thoughts about that? That would be my questions. Um, at first, I start with the uh, regarding cancellation. The, uh, when we look into um, orders in the backlog, which are on hold for quite a while, uh, what is the background for that? The background is that the customer wanted to do a technical solution on a site where he then changed the opinion, and we were constantly with the customer on it. It's not costly. Some meetings to discuss if that is feasible. And when it then comes to a point that we can't, offer that what the customer would like to have as a return calculation for his investment, then we are at the point where we would where we tell customers it, it is actually the time not to go on here. So that position we have, and that is what we trigger. And we do that constantly. And when it's like in these two cases, what Lars said, with one kind of, uh, a bankruptcy and a possible new buyer and so on, and the other one with exactly what I described, um, we know that that's on hold. There is no P&L effect. It was not affecting before and after. And so it's not a cancellation out of the actual business and situation in the industry. It's more a personal thing of these customers. It has nothing to do with the business environment. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, and then uh, the other question was uh, around the revenue uh, expectations for the fourth quarter and uh, the only thing we can see at this point in time is that we have a strong backlog and the pro there's a lot of momentum in, in the, the projects. So we do uh, see that that we should reach uh, our expected revenue uh, for the full year. Okay, and then perhaps just to follow up on this uh, on this backlog issue. But just to be clear, is there any more orders uh, be, in uh, the backlog that are on hold? So we have no knowledge of any other cancellations that could happen in uh, in the backlog uh, at this point in time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question, our next question comes from the line of Robert Davies of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my question. I had a couple. One was um, just you mentioned there's a strength in the aftermarket activity. I just wonder, um, when you look across your install base, what the health of the um, existing kit is? You mean you mentioned a sort of big focus on aftermarket and repair and um, upgrades. Um, is there a – are we kind of through a hump on that cycle? Do you see more kind of momentum running into next year? I guess just what is the sort of average state of your install base would be my first question. And then the second one was just around the timing. I remember you announced a large Ethiopian cement um, project earlier this year. I just wonder if you had any updates. I might have missed it around the, uh, the timing of when that's likely to be booked. Thank you very much. Um, at first, uh, how is the stage? Um, when most of the equipment was installed several years ago, we went through quite a mining recession, as you all know. And in that recession, which was very special for that, it was huge amount of capacity produced. 
And at the same time, maintenance and service was cut down to the absolute minimum. I'm from time to time when I'm quite often on mine sites, when I then look, equipment which is only 5, 8, 10 years old, when it's not enough maintained and enough OPEX on it, looks really awful. And that is what we see, and that is the business potential, what we have. Our business model to be in projects and processes, in the equipment as well as the services, gives us a possibility to go in any supplier's equipment to help customers to improve. So our installed base is very promising for us to upgrade and to for the customer to spend more OPEX on it. Um, if it comes to the cement order, yes, we announced and we said that this is um, to announce that we undersigned the contract and all sites are working on it and we will see when it comes into a bookable order intake. But it's one of these typical cement orders or uh, projects where we work on um, where you really have a problem to uh, to check when it drops in because it depends on local requirements, permitting, it depends on banks, it depends on customers and shareholders of the customer. There are so many variables in it that when we ask our direct contact, they have normally the same knowledge level as we have. So we can't predict when it comes. I see. Thank you. And then maybe just one sort of follow-up follow question. Just on the general environment within the mining, OE, you, you mentioned sort of permitting, um, some of the boards taking like a, a longer to make decision um, about sort of final approval. So when you sort of speak to the customers, is there much variation across the different types of commodities or regions, or is this just a sort of broad-based trend? Are there any particular, I guess my question is, are there any particular commodities where things are um, – kind of less being pushed out and, and kind of still moving ahead, or is it fairly equal across the different commodity types? It's more a country thing than a commodity thing. Very good question. It's really more a country issue than a commodity issue. We have, we saw license to operate challenges mainly in the Americas. I can be quite frank with that because it's public knowledge. And this is, of course, our stronghold in the mining industry. Okay, great. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Michael Peterson of SEB. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my question. My question relates to uh, the business center that you are supposed to consolidate into fewer centers. Uh, how will that affect your global reach and maybe also how will that affect your total capacity? The total capacity will be not affected in that way that we can't, that we are not uh, able to take uh, any longer orders or so. But we put into less centers more people. Then the workload over a year or over a time is simply higher in that center. And that makes it easier to, uh, to maneuver. We learned that the centers, what we had, to be very close to the customers in some areas, that's actually not so much needed. So we have the opportunity to do that. Um, and as we saw in quarter three, it's absolutely necessary if we see uh, fluctuations in the order, uh, capital order behavior of the customer. Okay, thank you. Then my final question is, 
you're talking about lower project margins in your backlog. Uh, should we assume the margin of projects going forward that you receive in 2020-2021 that those will be of lower profitability as well? Or is it only the current backlog that is of lower profitability? We will, when it comes to um, projects what we take, um, we will be not that ambitious as we were before on the timeline, which normally occurs then from our point of view over the run of the project higher cost from our side. So we will see um, or we will have uh, a lower profitability what we see and what we take as a profitability, uh, profitability level for these projects. Um, we are not um, seeing that the whole industry is dropping, but the timeline on large projects is very important for the cost over the project. You can imagine that if you have 100 people on a site and they stay a month, two months, three months longer than anticipated, that is a cost issue. And that is where we will be less ambitious when we take orders in, how we book that, how we calculate that. I can say it different, the contingency level will be higher. Hello? Hello? Okay, as there's no further response from Michael Peterson, we'll go to our next question from the line of Magnus Kruber of UBS. Please go ahead. Hi, and sorry, a couple of follow-ups here. So on the savings, I just wanted to clarify that the UCS 25 run rate ended this year. 75 extra next year, but did you say those 75 would materialize at the end of 2020? Was that right? I mean, we would, we, these are not the initiatives that you you do overnight. So some of them will drop in in the towards the end of next year. So uh, there will be a small impact, but it's not uh, dramatic. So use 25 for the impact in 2019. Sorry, it's 20. Perfect. Thank you. And. Uh, in the cement business, could you help us a bit with the seasonality there into Q4? I think, if I remember correctly, you seemed quite optimistic on the end of the year there from your Q2 results briefing. Yeah, the, it is in both industries always a challenge for the organization because there is a year-end rally, if I may say so, uh, predominantly in the second half of December, where, of course, customers all over the world would like to spend the money, uh, what they had actually in the budget for the year. And um, the background is actually when we ask them, um, they get a decent amount of money for the year. If they don't spend it, the money, what they get for next year will be lower. And that's a little bit the driver. So we have generally the fourth quarter stronger than any other quarter. Uh, so should we expect sort of normal, normal margin seasonality there in cement also? Uh, you asked about margin, so I, I think we should see the same level of margin progression as we've seen in the rest of the year. So the margin was uh, good in the third quarter, and we expect it to be good in the fourth quarter too on on cement. Um, so it, it is very much the same projects we executed in the fourth quarter as we had in the third quarter. So no, uh, you, you did ask about margin, right? Yes, correct. Thank you. That's clear. Perfect. And I also saw you made some comment on the Mets Autotech combination, suggesting sort of a positive impact on investments in, in, in R&D. I'm not sure if I got that exactly right. And could you develop a bit more what, what that means? 
the R&D thing, what we show is each quarter, we show one element of the R&D, one, one innovation, what we bring to the market. What we see is um, that the, the mining industry, cement was always like that, is very open for new technologies. Very open for new technologies. Everything what can improve productivity is really demanded. And we get more possibilities to test, to go in and to sell these new technologies. So we run very much on offering more and more sustainable improvement solutions for the customer on any equipment, service or process. So the innovation demand in mining is significant high. I'm more than 30 years in the industry. I never saw it that high. Got it. Thanks. And, and just one final one. How did uh, the mix develop in the mining service between stairs and technical uh, service in, in, in the quarter? And what should we see there going forward? The, we have today... Um, a higher uh, uh, part in the revenue out of wear parts. We actually started only a couple of years, a little bit, yeah, roughly three years ago, with a wear part strategy. We promised to the market that we will have minimum 10% of the aftermarket out of wear parts at the end of 19. We will comment on that uh, in the Q4 announcement. But we have a few percentage points in wear parts nowadays. Otherwise, the ratio between Technical service and spare parts is the same as before. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Artem Tokarenko of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my follow-up questions. I have one about working capital and the 10% of sales target by the year end. Um, how do you now expect working capital to evolve given we are at about 13% in Q3? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, this is a, a, a key focus for us and has been so for a while. And where we do see opportunities to improve is on our VIP assets and uh, our accounts receivable where uh, there is a number of, uh, of opportunities to, uh, to really drive that hard. At the end of the year, we have uh, unfortunately seen a, a delay in uh, in the in, in, in the mining projects, which has unfortunately also delayed the payments from customers. So that is uh, putting more pressure on it. And, uh, and the other impact that is putting pressure on us is the lack of uh, big capital orders where we normally get quite healthy prepayments. So, uh, so those two things are making it uh, more difficult for us. But we do see uh, good improvements, to, uh, good uh, opportunities to improve in the remainder of the year. Uh, if it's going to be 10%, that's... Uh, Difficult to say at this point in time because there are some big, uh, big, big numbers in there that uh, that can move in either direction. Okay, thank you. And in terms of that uh, capital versus service mix uh, from slide 14, could you help to understand how that 100 million is split between uh, cement and mining businesses? The product mix. Um, yeah, I think that, um, as I remember, it's, it's, uh, I think it's evenly split between the two. So we had uh, a slightly lower service share uh, in both industries in the first half. Then what we planned, and remember this is compared to what we planned when we made the, the guidance. So, uh, so we were, in, in hindsight, we were too optimistic on how much uh, we could grow our, aftermarket, our service business in, in both industries this year. Okay, and uh, the comments which you gave at Q2 results on weaker mix within capital, that's uh, already fully reflected in your 30 million to a quarter of uh, 
reassess profitability. Yes. Okay. And my last question is um, on the um, uh, timeline of those bigger projects in mining which are postponed because of environmental uh, issues with, with environmental license. Um, uh, can you give some color about how big those opportunities are and um, some rough timeline expectations for you? Thank you. That is, um, yeah, we could, uh, we actually don't guide on that. Uh, I have to say that we actually don't guide on it. But the, um, it is a positive outlook. That is what I clearly can say. Um, normally, um, it, I make it like that. Uh, the first thing what you get on these bigger orders is actually an engineering order. And with the amount of engineering orders, you actually can uh, look into how big then the capital order wave will be, what you will get. Based on this cautious behavior, what we have, I really don't want to trigger here a figure because it has a time impact. Uh, impact. Um, if I get not a lot in one quarter, but a lot in the next quarter, then you say in one quarter or you underperform, in the other quarter you say you overperform. It is a timing issue in it. We see a healthy capital order intake in front of us. The pipeline looks good. And the industry mining is in a growth cycle. But that's the negative um, in it. It is not on that growth cycle as we anticipated and communicated actually in the mid-end of 17, no matter that we rectified it in the course of the last few quarters, but that is clearly what we see. But it is still a good industry to be in, and it's a growth industry. Thank you very much. Very helpful. And there are no further questions at this time. Please go ahead, speakers. Thanks a lot for all the questions and the participation. Um, hope you are all safe and see you soon. Thank you.